Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I get to be the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. It's a privilege for me. And uh, here back here with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Hello, Rocky. Hey, Brian. Happy Holy Week. That's right. That's right. It's Holy Week. And and, and that's kind of the nature of our podcast today. We want to, we just feel like, uh, you know, people say a lot about uh, when you become a stronger believer, Easter becomes ever ever more important. Yeah. It becomes usually becomes your favorite holiday. Uh, there's a lot of things tied up in, in what happened this week, two thousand years ago, and and uh, so we just want to take we want to help you and help us pause on the Thursday before Easter mm-hmm. and enter into the drama of our Lord Jesus and, and what was going on with his early disciples and we're, we're disciples and uh, help us kind of stop and imagine if we were sitting around that table on the night before he was uh, about to go to the cross and, and they didn't even know it. They didn't even really know it. They knew something was happening. So, so Rocky, uh, help us get into the, into what was going on this week. Cause you, you always are really good about, uh, studying the scriptures in light of the days of the week and kind of what what would have been happening. They were in Jerusalem, you know. It was impending. Yeah. The cross was coming on Friday, and uh, so kind of helped set the stage for leading up to Thursday night on what was going on. Well, I, I can share with you a little bit why it's gotten important for me. Okay, and uh, I think that uh, there are two major holidays that we celebrate, and I don't know if we call them holidays, although they are holidays. They're times of celebration, one's Christmas, and it's all happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Easter's not happy. Uh, Easter becomes very happy on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But leading up to it, it's a very somber time. Uh, And and this is one of the things that I I wanted to do, is I want to understand uh, the man, uh, Jesus, that was in that Holy Week when it began on Sunday at Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry entry into Jerusalem, uh, which was prophesied, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then Monday he went in and he uh, just kind of looked around. But Tuesday he came came back and he he really uh, drove out the money changers from the temple. Mm -hmm. That was either Monday or Tuesday. There's some debate on either one of those. But on Tuesday, he, uh, he really laid the gauntlet down as far as his parables, and they were addressed directly to the, to the uh, Pharisees and the, and the political religious structure that was there. And uh, I would invite anybody to read in Matthew 21, 22, all those parables that are in there. They can see them, how they were so addressed at, you know, missing the point, missing the truth that it's all about Jesus. It's about redemption. It's not about legalism. It's not about what we can do. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Wednesday is one of those weeks. I don't know if there was much that was being done there on Wednesday. It seemed to be kind of a, a, a day that's not recorded. But Thursday is the day of Passover. And since this podcast is going out on Thursday, I think we're pretty well going to settle in on this is what's happening this mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. back before the crucifixion. 
Yeah, we were looking at uh, the Gospel of John as our reference, mm-hmm. and uh, around John 13, 14, and 15 were uh, key chapters of kind of what was going on with the Passover meal mm-hmm. and then the conversations around that table. Right. Uh, you know, of course, you have in John 13, the one of the things that catches your attention is uh, that he washes the, the feet of the disciples. Yeah. Because no, the servant wasn't there. Yeah, that's one detail they missed in all their... Probably Jesus did it intentionally, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, he didn't tell them to make sure someone's there to wash the feet because he was going to do that. And uh, they just were blown away yeah. by that act. And, and we talk about that in the journey even uh, when we, we talk about towards the end of the journey. Um, it blows me away even more so when I understand something about that. <laughs> and that is a couple chapters later or a little while later, he, he in that same dialogue that he's having up there in the upper room, he says, "There's one of you that will betray me, mm-hmm. and be the one that I that dips his bread in the same time I do." Mm-hmm. And uh, now, if you'll make note, the Passover supper began after the washing of the feet. Ah, uh, so so he washed Judas's there feet. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's something. Yeah, that he even washed the feet of his betrayer, knowing who it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, again, says, uh, speaks to the capacity of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, only, a, only a God of grace can do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it causes us as his disciples to recognize when he says, love your enemy, <laughs> that he showed us how to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the message of the, the washing of the feet to his immediate friends is a well, that's pretty bad right there, washing their old dirty feet that walks on the dusty roads and everything. Oh, well, but, and they had a hierarchical system. You know, if you were a teacher or rabbi, you were above a servant yeah, who would wash their yeah. feet, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm nothing, no one's beneath me. He flipped yeah. all that stuff. He did, yeah. I mean, Christianity is a flip on the on the rules of the world. Right. You know, that goes against all the stuff out there. That's, it's countercultural. It is, totally. And if it's not counterculture, then if it's joined the culture, then it's going to lose its impact. In fact, it's that might be what we're seeing now mm. in a lot of ways. In today's world, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk briefly about the significance of the of the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. So the pass, you know, and you can correct me, but I mean, uh, the Passover was celebrating what happened in the, when the people were leaving Egypt. That's right. And uh, there was a the plagues were coming, uh-huh. and uh, the angel of death was going through the city, killing the firstborn children. Right, right? unless. They had the sign of they, the blood over the they, the blood of a, an unblemished lamb over mm-hmm. their doorposts, right. and they were saved. It would say they would spare death from that. So, how does that par, uh, parallel with uh, with the cross and the blood on the cross? It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful. Jesus was going to. It's become, an illustration, isn't it? He's going to become the lamb. The lamb. The blood of his blood right. would cover our. Cover us, so we're saved. So you have a, actually a prophetic thing that's happening back in Egypt. Yeah, that they would be saved. They, the death, death angel would pass by them if that blood was on their doorpost, showing mm-hmm. that they were to be exempted from death. And yet, this is the same message we have with the cross. The blood of Jesus, the Lamb, on the cross is our doorpost of our life and yeah. exempts us from death, eternal death, at, at the end. 
I was just reading it, and it just struck me for some reason just how much he loves us, that mm-hmm. he would go die for us just so his blood could be covered, could cover us yeah. and protect us. They right. want to protect us and our families yeah. and save us. So when we, when we come to know Jesus, Ryan, and we're oftentimes— Baptized, you hear uh, pastors often say this that you know they're dead, buried, and resurrected in newness of life, rise up, walk in new life, uh, and um, that's a, a beautiful symbolic picture of being immersed and then coming out of the water to walk in newness of life. There's a scripture that says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So if we go back to the Egypt, and we're looking at the death angel going by, and then all of a sudden now Pharaoh's saying, get out of here. You know, lets them go for a while until he gets a little remorseful on that one. But here are the, the children of Israel now at the banks of the, of the Red Sea, and they're needing to get on the other side, and they got the... Pharisee, uh, Pharaoh and his army behind them, coming at them. And they got this sea in front of them, uh, and they need a miracle. Mm-hmm. And so this is where the water is divided, and they pass through the water. Mm-hmm. That's symbolic, isn't it? That's symbolic of coming into what? Our relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Going from death to life. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so they entered into the wilderness and so, you know, the Lord took them to see the promised land, but, of course, the doubt. They were not ready. They were not a people of faith yet. So he took it away from them, and they had to wander for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so if that's symbolic of a Christian, what's going on there? Well, with the Egyptian, with, with, with the Israelites who came out of Egypt, it was true that they were now out of Egypt, but God had to get Egypt out of them. Mm-hmm. And they had hundreds of gods that the Egypt served, and they served those gods. Mm-hmm. They didn't know there was only one God, and that was the first thing that God had to teach them. There is only one God, and I am He. And those idols in your life have got to go. Mm-hmm. And that generation died out and was replaced with their children, except two people, right? And who were they? Uh, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. They were able to cross over. None of the others could. Moses didn't even go. Mm-hmm. None of the others did. Mm-hmm. Just those two people. And the ones that did cross over were those who were born in the wilderness mm-hmm. and had to live by faith. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones that were said, come over, uh, invited to come into the promised land. Mm-hmm. So, so symbolic of a Christian that yeah. the, 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 the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of our life, the cross, uh, that we are reborn again, walking through the Red Sea, having our wilderness time where he is now getting our idols out of our life mm. to eventually being invited into this deeper, intimate relationship with him in our promised land. Mm. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. And the journey is oftentimes has a desert. It will have wilderness. And there are a lot of Christians who never get out of the wilderness. Mm. And, oh, it's so terrible mm. because they keep their idols in them. They keep Egypt in them. Mm. And as soon as they began to release it more and more and more, 
then they will find that which God wants to give them, hmm. which is their the desires of their heart. Yeah. So I mean, all this all this drama was coming into full view at this meal hmm. with these twelve men. They understood it because they were Jews. Well, and Jesus said, "I've eagerly desired to have this Passover with you," because this is where He was going to explain some things to them, even though they were still not getting it fully, right? They, yeah. It wasn't fully into view yet because he hadn't been in the cross yet. But uh, they probably remembered it later. But but he also says, you know, here, take this take this wine. You know, this, this is a cup of the new covenant in my blood, you know, mm-hmm. and take this bread. This is my body broken for you. I don't know. What, I wonder what they thought about that because he, he hadn't been to the cross yet. I mean, he'd given them something even worse than that before that when he told them, he said, you got to eat my bread, my, my body and drink my blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he did it with with a, a lot of his followers around him, and they left him, and he looked at at, at, at them, the, the, those who were left, his disciples, said, you're leaving me too. And Peter said, where will we go? Yeah. You know, we're sold out to you. But they were the only ones that were hanging on after that message. Well, they probably remembered that message I think when so. he said, "This is my blood." He was talking about his blood and his body. That's again. right. They're probably going here. There you go what again. Is this? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're probably a little confused. Except this, I think he was now starting to clear it up because he didn't explain himself before. Mm-hmm. He just said, "You got to eat my body and drink my blood," and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what a disciple does is when they're confused, they just wait it out and let him unconfuse them. Mm. And so I think at that moment, they had all of their hundreds of years of Jewish traditions and all of their life, they had, they had done this now, every Passover, every one of them, they had done that, just like we do when we take communion at church and we take communion and we say the same things over and over. But for the first time now, they understood. He was saying, this stuff that you've been eating, this bread you've been celebrating for years I'm him Mm. this wine you've been drinking and celebrating for years that will be my blood Mm. my body and my blood my life for you Mm. and you must receive me to receive eternal life Mm. and then when he was hanging on the cross and he was dripping his blood down that cross then they understood mm. to a degree. You think you might have been saying it's not about these traditions. It's not about religion, you know, or, the, or just going through the motions. It's about me. Well, all the sacraments are meant to be that. Yeah. And if we ever get to the point that we think the sacraments are holy for the sake of the sacraments, then we're missing the point. Yeah. And it's like the scriptures, you know, the scriptures are holy but not for the sake of knowledge. It's for the sake of the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And the sacrament should always be pointing to Jesus. They're reminding us what Jesus has done for us, but reminding us who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's always, the symbolism is good, but it's always got to connect back to him. Otherwise, it just becomes another ritual. Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. Well, another thing that happened at the meal was he gives them a new commandment. Mm-hmm. He says uh, in John uh, 13, starting around uh, 34, a new commandment I give you to you that you love one another. Just as I loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting, kind of significant. 
It is, and I think it's important that we understand that he commanded it. Uh, he didn't suggest it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, later on in John, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Mm-hmm. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will and it will disclose myself to him. Mm-hmm. And so, so there is this, one, you got to love each other. That's the horizontal dimension. You got to love me. That's the vertical dimension. Mm-hmm. And then through you, through me, you will be loving the Father, and the Father will love you. Mm. So it becomes symbi- symbiotic. It's relational. All of those things are relational. Yeah. You can't do one without the other. You can't just do one. You got to do both. I mean, you can't just love Jesus and not love other people. He's not going to permit that. Mm. But you can't just love other people. And you're okay with Jesus. I mean, there's got to be that intimacy with Him. Well, it's kind of like we usually say in the journey. We say this is a vertical process. Right. So it's vertically driven, but it's horizontally expressed. Yeah, right. and we do that because that's the that's the message of abiding. Yeah. And when He says, "You abide in Me, you'll bear fruit." Apart from Me, you won't bear fruit. And and so if if we were change that and say if we abide in each other then we'll bear fruit, then that won't work. Right, right. And if we say if we abide in each other, therefore we now can abide in Jesus, that, that's out of whack as well. He's just saying real clear, we've, our first and foremost priority is our love for our vertical connection with him because that's his love for us, our love for him. And when that gets connected, then there's going to be a dynamic thing that will happen from it. It will go outward to our world around us. That is the horizontal dimension. It always lives itself out that way. Yeah. But it has to begin vertically. And there's another place where Jesus says that he, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor right. as yourself. So they, which is first? They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, love him and then love others. There you go. And as you love yourself, that's another thing. A lot of people don't even love themselves. No. So, But he's got to come first, or you won't even know how to love yourself. <laughs> and, you know, as I've shared with you recently, how the Lord has just really been taking me to a new understanding of grace, mm-hmm. and not only the grace that he gives me. And it's been a while, Brian, that the Lord's been teaching me that if I stop up his grace to me and not let it pass out to other people, then it goes stale in me and the grace that is that unconditional favor that that love that does not demand anything in return that love that does not have to be deserved but it's just done it's a flow through situation that flows from him to me to others and he's been teaching me that message for a long time but the message I have failed to hear is how important that I need to give that to myself Mm. and it's I'm afraid to sometimes to think that I could actually show grace to myself and if I did show grace to myself that would I begin to disintegrate (laughs) deteriorate as far as my resolve to to walk with him and 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 be a a good man Mm. but I think that's where we get grace so wrong is that we think grace debilitates our uh, passion for doing good when in fact it enables it Mm. and so the Lord has been teaching me a lot lately that you know one of the reasons why men especially but men and women and why Rocky was hard to forgive himself 
is because I was demanding of myself justice rather than uh, allowing grace mm. to be given. Mm. And justice tells me that I'm unworthy. Justice tells me I am never worthy, and I need to remember that. But grace tells me I've been made worthy, mm. and I need to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's what flows from the the blood and the bread mm. of what Christ has done for us. Well, just going on down the path here, this it's amazing all the stuff that was going on at this meal, <laughs> all yeah. the stuff they were talking about. He's in fourteen. He's talking about. Um, he starts telling them, "I'm, I'm going away to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many rooms." He starts talking about that, and they're going, "Well, show us the way to go, you know, to this place." And that's where he says the famous line, "I am the way, the <laughs> truth, and the life. Yeah. No one can come there unless you go through me." Right. Again, it's back to Jesus. Yeah. Is the focus. Yeah, I think that uh, whenever anyone who would say that they are Christian, uh, even if it's a church or a pastor of a church or whomever, and they say that there are many ways to God and Jesus is only one of them, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that they would need to have a conversation with Jesus and ask him, what does he think about that? Because when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father, except by me, I think he pretty well puts it out there. Mm-hmm. It's not debatable. No, no. It's uh, and, and again, it's all wrapped up in this time where he's saying, I'm about to give you my body, my blood. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the, after he talks about that, he says, I'm going to be spent sending you another one to help you. Yeah. He starts talking about the Holy Spirit, right. who is, uh, you know, if because he died, he could send his spirit to be in all believers and help us on our, our journey, right? Absolutely. And all of that, again, is that the more you begin to understand abiding in Jesus, you you understand about uh, him, the the way he thought, the way he processed things, who he is. And when we look at the fruit of the Spirit as listed in Galatians, that's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That's who he is. That's what he does not what we make of ourselves. That's not something we can make ourselves be or do. It's what happens in us when the Spirit is being revealed through our life. Mm-hmm. That, that's the characteristics of Christ. That's the way He is. And of course, that is that is the issue that uh, what happens when we begin a process of getting closer to Him is that He begins to show up more and more. Now, who is it showing up? It's the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit. And He is the one that Jesus promised in that verse right there, mm-hmm. that I will send you another helper. Mm-hmm. And He will help you recall the things I've said. And basically He was saying He will be the one that you will be abiding with. And from that, you will bear fruit. And that fruit will look a lot like Him. Mm-hmm. And will do a lot of the things that I've done here. That's right. And, and another place that says it's the Spirit of Christ. And so you like to think about, um, you know, the reason he, the re, you know, there's other places where Jesus says, I'll be with you to the end of the age or, or I'll never leave you or forsake you. Well, he was, you know, the reason he could say that is because the Spirit was coming to be with us to the yeah. end of the age. So, right. Yeah, he, uh, he had some real good plans for his church. And thank God you and I are in them, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, 
the last part of this section, of course, is uh, it's just I think it should be noted the John 15 passage that we talk about so much about right. abiding in Christ was was in sequence in that probably on that Thursday night. Yeah. We don't know if it was in the upper room or if it was around there somewhere coming but out it, of it in sequence. It was right then when he says, I'm listening to me, I'm the vine, mm-hmm. you're the branches. So. So what's the significance of that, of him, him talking about that right then before he dies? Well, uh, in my opinion, here's, here's what was happening. I think he was preparing them for the next chapter of their lives. Mm-hmm. And his chapter was about ready to end. He was getting ready to be crucified and resurrected. And within 40 days, he would be ascended. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, he was preparing them for the transition and he was giving them a culmination of three years in that John 15 passage when he says, uh, you are clean because the word had been spoken to you. Mm-hmm. So he was basically saying that you're okay. Your, your, your soul is okay. Your salvation is secured. You're okay. Mm-hmm. But then he went on to say that uh, there were two points that would come now from that point until he was ascended. And here would be that point that we're talking about in John 15. He was saying to them, now you're clean, but you've got to abide in me to bear fruit. And abide means to remain. So that means that when you're going to see me crucified, you've got to still remain in me now. Mm. And when you see me back with you, it's going to be easy to remain with me. But when I ascend... You've got to remember now, you've got to remain with me. And to help you remain, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Mm. And with your con- your connection with him, you're connected with me. Because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are God. Mm. So if you know Jesus, you know the Spirit. If you know the Spirit, you know the Father. If you know the Father, you know the Spirit, you know the Son. Mm. You know one, you know them all, because they're all God different persons, different personalities, but God. Mm. And so he was giving them that message. And that was the message of John 15, to hang in there, hang in there, hang in there through this ordeal you're getting ready to go through. And then the, the rest of that message was what he said right before he ascended. And you know what it was, which was what? Uh, go make disciples. And, uh, I mean, and go teach them what I've taught you. Right. Teach them what I commanded you. Yeah, and, that's right. and, and, of course, that's the same thing as seeing teach them the things I've taught you for the last three years. And what do you think would be most on their mind? Mm. They needed to abide in Christ. Yeah, that's right. And if you look at John, if you, if you track John for the next years, because he was in his 80s when he died, and he was probably in his 20s when he was with Jesus when John 15 occurred. Yeah. And throughout his letters, he used the word abide so many times you would not, you would not believe it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important for us to understand how, how this has been with him, mm-hmm. that he has been always on point with us being connected to him, with the disciples, to pass that message on to those of us who followed, teach them what I've taught you. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're seeing today. 
Yeah, that's right. Of course, we won't go into the rest of the drama that happened that night right after he tells them to abide with him. Then all hell broke loose in the garden, right? right. And they all—they didn't remain with him. They all split for the most part, you know. There was a little bit of a physical split, but but they they were back. Yeah, yeah, yeah they came back. Oh yeah, and they were they were traumatized by the whole thing. Distress like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and then you get to read about the joy when they when they've heard mm-hmm. that you know he was something happened. Can you tomb. imagine? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And then he ends up appearing to them and all that. So, which was just the beautiful end of the story, or not, or the beginning of the story, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, well, any uh, any final words, Rocky, to the men and women out there as they head into Easter weekend as disciples and as abiders and. Well, this is Thursday, and uh, as they read, they hear this podcast, and I would just say that, listen, uh, before you get to Sunday, which is going to be a, a wonderful time, the Resurrection Day, uh, He is risen. This is the time that the Christian Christians from all over the world should be celebrating because it, it represents what will happen to us. But I want you to spend time on what happens Friday. Once you spend time on the about the agony mm. that he had to face on that cross, uh, the agony of the desertion of his friends, the agony of having to to flesh out the remaining temptations that he would have that would be the greatest of all, because at any moment he could have checked out. He had to do that as a man, by the way. He even had to say to his father, "Why have you forsaken me?" He had to do it alone. Mm-hmm. He did it for you and me. Mm-hmm. Let right. that be our memory. Let that be our thought on Friday. Yeah. Well, would you, as we close this podcast out, would you just uh, say a prayer for everybody yeah. out there? Yeah. <clears throat> well, Father, we are we're we're speechless about the significance of of what it means to. To know Christ uh, and to be known by you and to be invited into the relationship that we've been given to you, that you paved the way for us, you made the way for us uh, by your sacrifice. But Lord, it began 33 years ago, approximately before Christ was crucified, when he was born in that stable. And then the years that he lived uh, showing us what you look like, hearing him speak, to know your heart and seeing how he would relate to mankind, his own creation. And it invites us into our relationship with you. If we hadn't had Jesus to show us what you look like, like what you are like in the flesh, then I think that we would not know that we have a personal God who is an intimate God who wants to have an intimate relationship with us. But because of Jesus, because of this man, the incarnate Word of God, that became life and dwelt among us and lived among us and then died for us. Because of this Jesus, we see you as you are, as Daddy, as Abba, as Papa. And we're grateful that we can be invited into the, your family to be a joint heir with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that we will celebrate this Easter as it should be 
but we will reflect on Good Friday as, as it should be as well. We praise you and thank you for your love. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Oh